I think that the very best songs can do both. They can be revelation and response. They can be seeing and singing. And I love it when a song just lifts you higher. It lifts your your heart and your mind and soul to see something more of the greatness and grandeur of who God is or something more in the grace and the mercy of who he is. You know, because in those moments, you can't stop people singing. on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I'm excited to welcome over the phone line, Matt Redman. Matt, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Well, it is it is an honor to, to talk with you today. You have a new album that's just come out called Glory Song, and I, I was uh, talking with Matt a little before we started. I reviewed the album for Charisma's upcoming issue, and it is, it is really a treat. I'm excited to talk about it today. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. Yes. So one thing that um, wh- one thing that I wanted to talk about a little with you, maybe just to launch in, is that usually it seems like you spend a few years between studio albums before you go into the next one. Um, but in this case, you made uh, these Christmas lights just last year. Uh, we did an interview with you on the C Pop show on the network, and then you have Glory Song coming out this year. So uh, this seems like a, a little bit of a different album cycle for you. Absolutely. I think the thing about a Christmas album, it's always going to be make things a little bit busier, right? And so I usually make a record about every two years. Um, but this time, like you say, last year we had a crazy time making a Christmas album, and this year we threw ourselves into making this one. And, you know, I I, I think songwriting-wise, it probably means I've written the most songs I've ever written in a couple of years. That's really cool. And and I'm curious then as as you're in that songwriting mode coming into coming into this release, um what sort what sort of themes were you thinking about? What was going on in your life going into this recording? Yeah, it's a great question. We just come out of sabbatical. We were thinking uh we let's make a record in LA because we were in California and I was trying to find out what could be like a fresh musical approach you know we're going to be in the studio and i was very mindful of some of the friendships and kind of ministry relationships that have started to grow uh with people like tasha cobbs leonard who you know is one of the most renowned gospel singers in the world but a brilliant worship leader an amazing vocalist and she'd reached out to songwrite and then i'd written this song called gospel song with chris tomlin and a couple of other friends so i started to think what about if we went a little bit into the gospel music world with this record. So it's still my approach and how I would lead and sound, but we're definitely uh, trying to lean a little bit into that into that um, genre of music too. Fantastic. And and as a as a musical artist, then kind of kind of building off that, do you usually go in um, with a specific vision in mind or something that you want the album to be about, or Topically, does it tend to be a little more spirit-led or a journey based on who you collaborate with? I think the record always is going to have a couple of songs about the cross. I think the centrality of the cross is so important to me. So that's always going to be in the mix. The record's always going to have an attempt at reverence because I think it's an essential ingredient in worship and it's one of the ones perhaps we don't do so well on sometimes in this day and age. Something we need to grow in, that whole idea of painting a bigger picture of God and trying to connect a little bit more into the 
holiness and righteousness and majesty of who he is. And so those things are always going to be in the mix. I think probably songs that come out of pain, trusting God through struggle, that's uh, part of my DNA as well. I've always written songs like that. I love how the psalmist gives us permission to do that. So there's not one overriding theme on the record, but those are three things that are usually in the mix for me, and they're, they're, they're this time. But um, I think really the USP came this time from the musical side. Like I said, leaning into some of these friendships and thinking, I think we're better together. Sometimes some of our streams of the church um, don't seem to hang out too much. There's not a lot of enmity, but there's sometimes not a lot of effort either. And just wanted to reach out, um, particularly to the, that whole stream. There's a bit more African-American um you know, dominant and the whole gospel music genre and just thought, man, I think this could be a beautiful blend and I, I know I could learn a lot along the way. Yeah, I think that's something that really comes out when when you listen to the album is there's there's gospel influence from like the opening seconds of the album and even on this one and I think this dates back to in the These Christmas Lights album as well. You've had a lot of collaborations recently. I think you had five on this one. There were three on the last yeah. album. And then like yeah. before that, there's not really a ton of collaborations on, on your no. studio albums at least. So what motivated the shift to, to bring on so many collaborators? I think there were just relationships that were growing and ministries that I really admired and thought I would love to have these guys in the mix. Tasha Cobbs Leonard was an obvious one because she was a writer on the song. I'd already had her on my Christmas album, but I was like, hey, if you don't mind being on two albums in a row, I would love it because you're part of writing the song. And we got to lead that together for the first time this week, and we'll be leading it together at the Dove Awards, a song called Gracefully Broken. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, Kiara Sheard, someone I'd become really aware of but didn't know very well, so reached out to her. Kim Walker-Smith. Uh, love what she does and what she's brought through the Jesus culture song movement there. So a lot of them were just um, people who I thought, I really respect you and what you do, and I'd love to have you involved. But I knew that it was going to make their album musically richer. And it's interesting, um, because I, you mentioned it already, but that whole, I was particularly keen, right from the writing of the record, to lean into this gospel music side of things and um so Aaron Lindsay is a top producer and writer in that whole area he's a, he's on there and got a gospel choir one of the best gospel choirs around they came in and were part of the whole thing and that collaboration I, I think we're always richer for it you know there's 14 songwriters on this album sometimes they see people see a record see my name on the front they think I did all the work but there's a, there's a lot of people working hard here, bringing their best, um, and it, it means so much, and collaboration is the key. I know that some of the collaborations on this album turned into, uh, when I was listening to some of my, some of my favorite songs there, uh, you mentioned a gospel song. Um, yeah. I, I love that song on the album. Place of Praise, I thought was fantastic. Did you? Oh, okay. I, I know, obviously, you've got a connection to all the songs, but are there are there any songs on the album for you that really stand out as as favorites or songs that really had a, a great story of the writing for you? Um, what what sticks out to you from this album? There's a song called One Day, 
um, and the, the subtitle is When We All Get to Heaven, and actually the chorus of the song is that old hymn. But instead of being up-tempo, which is how many people would have heard it, we've made it into a slower, hopefully moving hymn ballad, and we wrote these verses. Um, my wife and I and a friend called Leonard and they were really to do with a song that would bring some hope and the hope of heaven, like looking to the horizon, seeing what's to come, um, not in an escapist way, but in a way of um, reminding ourselves that even though sometimes the struggles here so intense and so fierce and so heavy to bear, something's coming that's going to far outweigh all of this, the glory of Jesus, seeing him face to face being with him in eternity and so through eternity and my wife had the original vision for this song we had some friends who were in a lot of pain some friends who were going through some intense struggles one of them walking through the valley of the shadow of death if you like and she just said I don't know what this song fleshes out like but it's called One Day and it's a song about the hope of heaven and so I've really loved singing this song it feels like it's connecting with people and in fact even speaking um, to you today, I'm in Las Vegas and about to lead worship tonight at a prayer vigil here a few days after the big shooting that happened. And I'm going to sing this song tonight. And I'm kind of glad I've got some vocabulary for a moment like this. I think it's really important in worship that we have something to say in every season of the song. We've got a vocabulary for every circumstance in life. Wow, that that's really incredible and, and beautiful. Can you talk a little bit to, like, I know that one thing that when you look at, say, the Psalms or um, really a lot of the worship um, that we see in the Bible is that a, no- a lot of it is lamentations, and that's not something that yeah. we do a lot in church. We don't like to focus on on the sadder parts of faith. Um, but as you talked about, it's very important. Can you um, speak to your heart on that? Yeah, the psalmist gives us permission to do that. You know, you look in the Psalms, Eugene Peterson estimates that about 70% of the actual content of the Psalms is lament-based. In other words, crying out to God from a place of struggle or pain or confusion. You know, the psalmist asks questions to God. How long, God? How long? In fact, I have a song on this album called Questions. And I think it's okay to ask questions as long as you come with reverence. The psalmist gives us permission to be real and raw before God as long as underneath everything is always this sense of reverence, knowing he is God, recognizing who it is we're speaking to. And I love songs that can do this because they're real, they're biblical, and I think also they're a window onto the heart of God for people who feel like they haven't got it all together, for people who look in the church and think, oh, I couldn't go there, That you know, I definitely don't have it together enough to go to church. I love those worship songs which give you a little glimpse onto the heart of God, his compassion, his kindness, his goodness. And uh, I think it's really important kind of songs. When people finish listening to Glory Song, what do you hope that they're able to take away from the album? I hope that it connects them. Uh, I hope that not only helps them sing to God, but it helps them see God. You know, I think that the very best songs can do both. They can be revelation and response. They can be seeing and singing. And I love it when a song just lifts you higher. It lifts your your heart and your mind and soul to see something more of the greatness and grandeur of who God is or something more on the grace and the mercy of who he is. 
You know, because in those moments, you can't stop people singing. You know, my job as a worship leader isn't to hype people up or try to manipulate them or force them to sing. My job is to give them enough good subject material uh, that when they see something of Jesus in the songs, they can't help but, but sing. And so I hope that's this album does this. I hope it helps people see God and sing to God. Well, I can only speak for myself, but having heard the album, I think it accomplishes all of that and more. Um, if people want to check out the album for themselves, then uh, where can they do that? Where can they get a copy? All the normal retailers, you can get it online, iTunes and all those things, physical copies, good stores everywhere. And, of course, you could get on mattredman.com. You find videos on there, uh, YouTube. We've shot all the acoustic live videos for this on the Root Capital Records in Los Angeles. As the sun was going down one evening, we had church up there. It was a beautiful time, so I'd, I'd love you to check those out too. Fantastic. And I imagine you're going to be on the road over the next few months? Um, actually, no. I'm trying to have a season being around, prioritizing family, songwriting, and uh, not much travel. That's really cool. Would you mind uh, wrapping us up with some prayer? I'd love to, yeah. Um, Father, thank you that even before we ever sung a song to you, you sing over us. Uh, your word tells us in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, that you're rejoicing over us with singing. And I pray today people might hear your melodies over their lives. People might hear your song over their life. They might hear the heartbeat of heaven over their life. And we're going to sing back to you in response. In the reflex of our soul will be to sing back to you, to reply to you with praise. But before that, even today, I pray people would hear your song over them. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. In today's fast-paced world, fear has become an epidemic. A social media post, text message, news headline, or medical report could take away your sense of being and create stresses on your mind, body, or soul. Establish your heart and mind on the comforting truths of God's promises in best-selling author Stormy Omardian's new book, The Power of Praying Through Fear. You'll learn what to think, say, and pray the moment you sense fear or anxiety as life happens and things appear to spiral out of control. Experience freedom and peace over some of life's inhibiting fears, including fear of rejection, the future, death, and suffering. Learn to pray effectively and claim the power, love, and sound mind God has for you. It's available for pre-order at Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.